0: So we're going to kind of transition here into uh, Romans. We've already heard the word of God <laughs> quite a bit this morning. Um, so these stories kind of went a little bit longer um, than what we planned, but uh, I think God God has his plan, and it's so much better than ours anyway. So um, I'll be cutting and pasting here. Um, Two things, just real quick, just life of the church things. There is an evangelism workshop that's coming up this weekend, 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock, and it just helps people not only understand how they're wired, but understand how that wiring is perfect for how God wants them to live and to share um, with people about Christ. And uh, it's a workshop that helps helps us figure that out so you're not trying to be Billy Graham or not trying to be somebody else. You're just who you are and you're gifting and, and sharing about Jesus. So if you're uncomfortable with that idea and yet you know God calls you to do it and, and there's that dissonance and, and you're not doing it because you feel whatever, check out that seminar. There's more information in the bulletin about that and uh, you can still sign up for that. Uh, the other thing is... Uh, we're kind of caught uh, in something. We recommended that everybody, you know, as you go along, people ask us, what kind of version of the Bible should you buy? Because there's a lot out there. And, and we, you know, we went on record saying, hey, everybody get an ESV, uh, which is a great version. That's what I have. And then we started Romans, and I memorized it in, in IV. And uh, so we're in a pickle because we're going to be in Romans a while. And a lot of you I know have read that, and I've seen actually people like go, uh oh, it's in the wrong version, all right, just go ahead and do your thing, like it's a little frustrating, right, because it's not lining up, so we're sorry about that, we wish we were smarter and knew what to do about it, but we don't even have a solution um, other than just hang in there for the next two years, and then we'll go back to ESV, (laughs) I got nothing, I'm sorry, I looked at Sean, I'm like, what am I supposed to say, he's like, I don't know, it's your problem, (laughs) so thank you, Sean. So, sorry, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> uh, Romans chapter 2, uh, it's, we're in the middle of it. Paul, is in, at the end, latter half of chapter 1, has just said, hey, look, the whole world is facing wrath. And, and then, lest the Jews think they were out of it, he spent the first half of, of, of uh, chapter 2 saying, oh, and by the way, you, you Jews, uh, and I'm a Jew, you Jews are also facing the wrath of God. And he, he goes on to say, because you do the same things that they do. And, and you think somehow you can get out, out of it or whatever. And he says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself. And he keeps it pretty generic. He never lists all the specific things like he did when he was talking to the Gentiles until you get here to verse 17. And, and he starts to change the, the conversation. He's about ready to get very specific because they're going to say, well, what do you mean? We don't. And, and he's like, yeah, whatever. And, and, and so the whole message today is, how does religion get toxic? Because it was supposed to be pure religion. In fact, there is such a thing as pure religion. James says there is, and it's, he says, you know, that's caring for widows and orphans, but it, it's deeper than just that. It comes from the heart, and, and yet religion can be so toxic. In fact, people would say, it's because of religion I don't have faith. It's because of religion, I won't follow Jesus. It's because of religion, I won't, I won't read anything about religion. It just causes wars and all kinds of things. And people often cite religion as their number one excuse and all the, stuff, the bad stuff that's done in the name of religion as the reason they won't join in or investigate or anything. It's all shut down. And so Paul, as we look at this, and there's all kinds of problems to it, but it's interesting, I was reading one guy, and he said, rarely do people actually go to what is really the essential problem of religion. And, and, and the, the issue, he, he submitted, the issue isn't all these things that you see religion doing. The problem with toxic religion is religion in itself. You want to find the problem, it's, it's within itself. And so he starts having just said, hey, look, everybody is facing the wrath of God, and and he knows that some Jews are still wrestling with this idea, so he's still got to convince him of this, and he starts to prove, look, your religion is toxic. But he starts off this way, and he says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, in verse 17, chapter 2, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, If you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, oh, a guide guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, don't you teach yourself? You who... Preach against stealing. Do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols. Do you rob temples? You who brag about the law. Do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles, torn down, you know, insulted, dragged through the mud because of you, your faith. Your toxic religion is what I would add. Paul starts off, and, and, and what's interesting is he sets them up. He doesn't start off with stuff that's toxic, he starts off with good religion. He says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, which they did, that was cool. That started with Abraham, the covenant, and God sets him apart. Hey, it's a great honor to be a Jew. There's nothing wrong with calling yourself a Jew. Uh, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God. So this idea of relying on the law, well, that's not wrong. That's good religion. Deuteronomy 6, a famous passage that all people who, who grow up in an Israel household or a Jewish household would know this. This is the Shema, and this is part of it where God says about the moral law of God. He says, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, meaning the law of God. You shall teach them diligently to your children. They'll talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You'll bind them as a sign on your hand. They'll see be on be as frontlets between your eyes. You'll also write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So relying on the law is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. God says, do it. Rely on the law. So, uh, Jew, rely on the law. Brag about your relationship to God. Uh, Now, this is kind of, this is kind of like maybe hard to imagine, but we're brought up saying all bragging is wrong. Boasting is wrong. But actually, boasting is a biblical thing. God invented boasting. Look at this passage. Thus saith the Lord, let him who boasts, boast in this. So, not to ever boast, but you can brag, you can boast, that he understands and knows me, or she, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Do you know it's actually a good thing, a godly thing, to brag about God? Like, that's just what Jason and Charity did, right? They got up here, and let me tell you about our God. Our God's a good God, right? That's, boasting and that's a good thing so it's not wrong to boast in the lord that's a good thing um if you are convinced no no what was the other thing um i gotta rely on the law. brag if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law that's another self-evident thing that's good about that's a good religion thing right Psalms chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man or the woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of the scoffers but his or her delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, God's law, he or she meditates day and night. I mean, that's... That's great, right? You know his will out of the law. This is a good thing and you prove of what is superior because you know the law and you're not standing in the path of sinners or sitting in the seat of scoffers of all that stuff. So that's good too. There's nothing wrong with that. Then he goes on and he says this. He rattles off all these statements right in a row that are essentially identity and calling. Actually, he's just talked about a, 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 a identity. Now he's going into calling and he says, if you're convinced that you're a guide for the blind... A light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of foolish, and a teacher of infants. All of those things, that's not arrogant for Israel to think that. God taught them to think that. Look at this passage. He says this in Isaiah I'm the Lord, I've called you in righteousness. I'll take you by the hand and keep you. I'll give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. And there's other passages that talk about this. For a Jew to think this about themselves wasn't wrong. It was actually good. It wasn't arrogant. This was good religion. Nothing wrong with the calling and the identity that God had placed on them. The problem is What they did with this pure, good religion. He says, you then who teach others, don't you teach yourself? Uh Uh-oh. Here's the setup. You say that people shouldn't steal. You steal. You say that people shouldn't commit adultery. You commit adultery. You abhor idols. You rob temples. You, You who brag about the law. You dishonor God by breaking law. He just goes bang, 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 bang. You're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. And, and, and it's interesting, he picks out the Ten Commandments. He picks out the biggies, right? They steal, they commit adultery, they worship. This, this, is, this is an interesting one. You rob temples, which I don't know about you guys, but I've read that and I go, what temple are they robbing? Are they actually robbing the, the temple temple? And, and, and that can't be it. They're not robbing like the temple in Jerusalem or synagogues. There was a practice, not among the whole nation, but among some Jews, that would actually rob temples, pagan temples, steal their idols, melt it down, keep all the, the you know the nice metal, whatever it is, so they keep the gold and the silver, or they'd rob it and then resell it to make money. And this happened. Actually, it's, this word is actually we you know some versions have sacrilegious. It literally means. Rob temple. And you see it over in Acts chapter 19. It happened over there. They were, what happened is all these people started following Jesus, and they got rid of their idols, and the idol maker people were like, ah, we're losing our income. This is not good. Let's start a riot. Let's get these Christians out of here. So they, you know, round up a couple Christians, bring them into trial, and they're all like, you, 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 you. And one of the accusations they bring against these Christians is what? You rob temples. Robbing temples is a big no-no. It is a capital offense like murder and treason. You could get executed if you were caught robbing a temple. And so these Jews would literally go around and, and they would be like you and I going over to India or going over to Pakistan or going over to Tibet, going into their temples and taking out their gold-overlaid idols or silver ones and keeping it for ourselves. I mean, you, I mean, if you survived... Um, You'd either be in jail or be kicked out of the out of the nation, right? I mean, who does that? Nobody does that. And they were falsely accusing these Christians of doing it. So that's the background for it. And the other piece of it, why that's significant, is this is what God says: if they ever come across carved images, read this. Look at this passage out of Deuteronomy. God says, "Look, the carved images of their gods, no matter when it comes uh, throughout time, you shall burn with fire." You'll not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, or take it for yourselves, lest you be ensnared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Wah, wah, wah. And he's like, oh yeah, you guys are all bad idols, bad idols, but I know what you guys do. You guys go steal these things and you keep it all for yourself. You're breaking the law. Just as much as somebody who's worshiping than a false idol is. And so he shoots out all these things, one after another, guilty, 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 breaking the law, breaking the law. And what's interesting is you have this this picture of what good religion looks like. He says, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then all of a sudden, it's like guilty, 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 guilty. How did good religion get toxic all of a sudden? One pastor, I I like what he said, he used the word presumptuous. Good religion becomes toxic with this poison of presumption. And presumption is because I have a calling and an identity, I'm good. It's enough. My calling's good enough, my identity's good enough, I don't need him. And we presume upon that, and we presume we'll never be judged. Or it's enough to get us in. That's toxic religion. It's enough to have a Bible at home, maybe eight versions of the Bible at home, right? It's it's enough call yourself Christian. Well, that's enough. That's your identity. Call, you know, I've been baptized. I was sprinkled as a kid, as a baby, and, and then I got dunked. So I was double, I'm in, right? That's enough. And we presume upon all of these good things of good religion that, that are right, and we poison it thinking, well, that's all I need And presumption immediately begins to breed and and bring more toxins into it, more poison into it, because it starts to breed hypocrisy. It starts to produce it. And you want to talk about hypocrisy? He's like, You're saying all these things, you're teaching all these things, and yet you do the same thing. What are you thinking? And, and so they pick out the biggest, oh, I'm not doing those. And Christ came along and he said, look, you're doing those in your heart. You're already guilty. Right? Hypocrisy. It's staggering. Not only that, the, a byproduct of, of this toxic religion is that it destroys the name of God. The word is blasphemy, insults, uh, tearing down, degrading God's name. And he says, you are blaspheming the name of God in front of the entire world. He was accusing them of that, and yet as we look at this as Christians growing up and in the church, given, in a sense, good religion, if properly understood and defined how how Paul is understanding it, and, and yet we ourselves can pollute it and poison good religion churches even today i, I remembering talking with uh, ken hawkins uh, pastor of really recovered planted the church here a few months back a- and he was invited this just has happened in the last six months um, he was invited to one church hey Ken, we want to partner with you, and he didn't ask to come. He didn't even know about this church. They called him out of the blue, invited him to come, and, and he's there. And, and, and some of you may know Ken. Ken's got a mohawk. So he wore a hat because he didn't want to have to explain the hair or get that, have that get in the way of people. So he wore a hat to the church. The pastor stops the service. In the middle of the service, everybody watched, watches him. He walks off the stage and goes and confronts Ken during the service, tells him to take off his hat. Is that good religion? Ken's over there thinking, I I don't want to make these people stumble. I don't want these Christians to get in the way, my hair to get in the way. Another church invited them to come in and and (laughs) they look at his hair and, and, and the whole conversation stopped. Didn't get anywhere because the hair was in the way, the mohawk. Another church, they were talking about, hey, they brought him in. This is Ken not forcing himself. They're inviting him in, and, and, and he's there, and they come, and then all of a sudden they find out, well, some of these people still struggle. You know, they, they smoke, and they're going to need to smoke outside. and won't smoke in the church. But then they're like, well, that's going to get inside the church, and we can't have you guys come. Really? Oh, praise the Lord, our building doesn't smell like smoke, but they're going to breathe, what, the fire of hell and smoke for eternity? I'm like, come on. We're worried about hats and hair? That's, that's what is going on. That's, that's toxic religion. And, and those who can it invites. he's saying, hey, look, that, they're going to smell that a mile away that hypocrisy they're going to look at that and say i don't want to be a part of any kind of religion that looks at people that way and i'm not saying that we do that here i'm just saying that's what toxic religion makes and produces it destroys the name of god not only that he goes on and he says it not only destroys god's reputation it begins to pollute the symbols that god has given us that point to him and and he says look circumcision has value if you observe the law but if you break the law you've become as though you weren't circumcised if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised the one who's circumcised physically yet obeys the law will condemn you, who, even though you have the law and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. He pulls out the two biggest symbols, the law and circumcision, the moral law of God, which he gave at Moses' circumcision, which he gave to Abraham right in the back in the beginning. He said, Hey, look, I want you to do this. You're going to do this to all the male descendants forever as a sign of this covenant relationship that we have. And what Israel did is they polluted the sign, they, they poisoned the very sign that says they need God. And they made the sign their God. And they worship the sign. Oh, what a great sign the law is. Oh, what a great sign circumcision is. It's a, Look at this. We're in. We're good. It's all great. Rather than, as he goes on to say, and we'll, we'll finish this up, but I think it's interesting what happens with toxic religion is you start to worship the signs instead of the one who gave the sign. And... In our church over the years, I mean, this happens, everybody struggles with this, but I've seen a pattern in our church that's healthy. I've come to this church and, and we, we came in and this church was like, let's, let's go for it. And the church had already you know, had the worship wars and those were difficult years, but they said, no, we're not going to worship forms, the signs, we're gonna worship our God. And so they gave up. Many of them gave up a style of music. Actually, you can go all the way back. You know, this last week was the 500th year anniversary of Martin Luther. Nailed the 95 thesis of so this is what's all messed up about religion right now. And, uh, you know, one of those things was actually, you know, you have to have uh, the service in the Bible in Latin. If it's not in Latin, then it doesn't count. You know, never never mind the fact that it was started in the Greek and Hebrew. And then that carried on, and people created their own versions and started worshiping that. And now you, you know, there's some that say you only can do KJV, King James Version, and it's got to be this one. And oh my. And we're worshiping what version? I mean, it, it just, we, we do these things. This is what religion does. We, we breed this kind of thing, it's hard. And so we've seen this church, I've seen it over and over again, this healthy, mature generation of people that were here before I got here, and then those who came in were saying, no, we are not going to do this. And so we changed the style of worship. We got rid of pews. And some of you may laugh and go, what's the big deal about pews? Don't get me started. <laughs> but this church said, it's not a big deal, right? We changed the name of the church. And some of you may say, what's the big deal about a name of the church? Don't get me started. But this church said it's not a big deal every point this church has had a a moment where they said do we worship god and we let the forms change and they said yes let's keep our religion pure let's keep this pure so that we worship and exalt him now some of you who are like in junior high fifth grade high school college you're like dude you guys are really messed up I, i just want a word for you you just wait you just wait till you get older And God uses these forms to touch your hearts and all of a sudden somebody says, we're not doing that anymore. What? That's how I met Jesus. In Sunday school. Right? We got rid of Sunday school. That was a big one. Our church, we just kind of moved right through it. Just you wait. It's all clear and easy right now and then you start collecting things along the way you got to pack light. Sorry, I'm off the grid. Um, <laughs> it, it, it pollutes the symbols and, and toxic religion produ- uh, pollutes the focus. He goes on to say, look, this is what a Jew is. A, a man is not a Jew if he is one outwardly or uh, a man is not a Jew if he is one outwardly. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly and, and yeah, that's right, i got to get it all right a man is not a Jew if he was only one inwardly nor is circumcision merely outward and physical no a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit not by the written code such a man's praise or a woman's praise is not from men but from God the symbols get polluted right and, and not only the symbols the focus gets polluted so now we're worshiping everything out there and he's saying no 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 don't you remember how this started it starts in here it starts in your heart and it starts by the Spirit and guess what? It never leaves that place. It just doesn't. There's a lot of outward stuff that happens and that's good but it never leaves here. This is the focus, your heart and the Holy Spirit. Remember that's how it all got started? Remember that moment, you and Christ, how that season of life where you discovered that? It just never stops. And so here's the question. I mean, I don't know where your religion is. Is it toxic religion or is it good? Because good religion focuses on the heart and what the spirit is doing in here. And if you haven't heard from the spirit in a while, you may be in a stew of toxic religion. If you've shut down the spirit and you're all about everything else and I can check the box and I'm good and I'm good and everybody can see it, you may be in toxic religion. The thing is, you can do all those things and it can be good if it's driven by the Spirit in your heart. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I I just ask for each one of us that you would pull us to that place where we understand a Christian, a man and woman who is a Christian, is a Christian in the heart by the spirit not by any law and that we would find our praise from you and i pray lord this morning that if there is something that is not in the heart or if our hearts are wrong if we're not listening to you would you just pull us back get us out of the the toxic stew of religion where we can do it all and it's enough and the hypocrisy and whatever. I I just pray, God, that you would do that in our midst, that we would just be a church following you with our hearts, listening to your spirit. Amen.